Merry Christmas. Grab a seat real quick. Oh, no, no, no. You can't. We can't overlook that. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. That's awesome. You know, my mind is still having trouble kind of wrapping around the fact that yesterday wasn't Christmas Eve and today is Christmas, which it's not, but that's what I've thought for the last two weeks. And it just kind of keeps wrapping around in that, that kind of way. I mean, I guess yesterday for me could have been Christmas since Rudolph <laughs> saved Christmas for the Steelers. I don't know. If you're a guest with us, I apologize. I'm a Steeler fan. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Everybody have their Christmas shopping done? No? No? Here's what you do. Speedway is open, you know, all day. You're, you're good. I mean, you can walk in and get, get gift cards, right? I mean, gas, food, you know, different, different money-type cards. You, you can do that. That's, that's an option for you. You can buy candy. You know, if you need some type of a gift for someone, candy's always a good option. Even Little Debbie Cakes, you can get those. Those are, those are all right options, too. Or, like, if you're going straight to a Christmas gathering and you're supposed to bring food after this service is over... Speedway pizza is never a bad option to bring with you. It, it just isn't, you know? So, again, we're glad that you're here, and, and we would love for you to be able to connect in some way with us while you're here today. There are connect cards on the programs that everyone should have gotten when you walked in. You can write on there. You can go to our website, communitychristianchurch.com, fill out a, a, a welcome card there. You, you can go to our app if you have that fill out a welcome uh, thing there. We're also a very generous church. We love to give. We love to support. We love to serve in multiple ways. If you would like to connect to God in that way here, there are offering boxes in the back. Uh, you can put something in there or give online at any of those options as well. So that's who we are as a church, and we're glad that you're here for this Christmas. Now, whenever you look at those programs that you got today, those are also an invitation for you to come back January 7 as we start a new teaching series uh, about how not to read the Bible, all right? I'm just telling you, you don't want to miss this series. I'm nervous, I'm worried, I'm excited. Uh, we're going to hit the tough things of Scripture, things that most people are afraid to talk about. We're diving headfirst in. Like, what about women in the church? It's in the Bible. What about slavery? It's in the Bible. How do you deal with that? What about unicorns? Unicorns are in Scripture, by the way. In case you didn't know that, they're there. What do you do with those? You know, and how, how do you deal with them? So we're going to go through that series starting January 7. We'd love to have you uh, be, be part of that with us. Um, as we were thinking about Christmas and and kind of planning our Christmas services out this year, one theme kind of kept popping up to us, and that theme was, was the idea of promises. I mean, just think about promises for a minute. Promises are so important. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are in life, what stage you are. Promises are important in your life. They're so important that it impacts every area of our lives if somebody makes a promise to you and they don't follow through with it. Now, if somebody makes you a promise and they don't follow through, what do you think about that person? 
Not much. That's the best answer I've heard. Very, yeah, not much. You lose their, they lose your trust, right? I mean, you're going, I'm disappointed, I'm disheartened, I'm discouraged because I was counting on you and you promised me. And then that person didn't full, fulfill their promise. But what happens in your life if somebody does fulfill their promises? And that's part of who they are. And they do that all the time. Man, they become a close friend, right? I mean, when somebody fulfills the promises in your life, you want them to be on your inner circle. You want to be around them because you know that they have integrity. You know that they'll fulfill what they say they're going to fulfill. And so when we're looking at promises and, and how that works into the Christmas story, you've got to know that Christmas is full of promises. And it's full of promises that were made, promises that were kept, and promises that are still to come. We're going to look at some of those today, but from maybe a different point of view, at least different for most of us anyway, we're singing some very old Christmas carols. And I guarantee that there will be a few that you have no idea what they are. All right, that's how old some of these are. You, you just won't know what they are, but I, we want you to sing with us anyway. Maybe some of you have heard some of them before, but some of you haven't heard any of them. If you're visiting with us, I just want you to know it's a very unique service for us today. Usually we have guitars, somebody on the drum kit, bass players, keyboards, all that kind of stuff. Music cranked up a little bit, not loud, but a little bit high at, at certain moments. Today, we have an incredible, incredible worship for you. We have the Shackman family. We have uh, Michael and Melody and, and Veronica and Penny and Jude uh, the, the Shackman family, and Charlie is, is in the center, in case you can't find him. I'm adopted this week. Amongst all the flannel, he's in the center right there. Which is, yeah, it, he blends in, doesn't he? And anyway, that, that's who's leading our worship for us uh, today, and it is going to be a phenomenal, phenomenal time of worship. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand for this next song, and I want you to get your rhythm ready, all right? Let, let's do this. Everybody, come on. Come on. I know it's not the right beat, but can we go with that to start with? Go ahead, guys. Let's get into this. Everybody, let's go.
right. All right, everybody start clapping. I'm just kidding. That's, that's way too much power for me. Sit down. All right. You all did great with that. Now, the promises of Christmas, I mean, it was made a long time before Jesus was ever born. God's plan was always for Jesus to come and, and live with us, be both fully God and fully human. He planned it that way. It was intentional like that. If you read through the Bible, it's everywhere. Jesus said that all the scriptures point to him. And there are more than 300 Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And if you think about that for just a minute, that is impossible to happen. Yet Jesus fulfilled them. It's a pretty incredible number. And he's, he did all of that. Some of the ones we usually hear tend to come up around Christmas. And uh, found in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 7 is this one. All right then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That prophecy was fulfilled hundreds of years later. When you look at Luke chapter 1, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said to her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus, and he will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I'm a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. That's a fulfilled prophecy. Isaiah talked a lot about Jesus. He said this in Isaiah 9, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. For a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's all about Jesus. He's the one that they were waiting for, and he's the one that came.
I'm Shelly, the Creative Arts Pastor, and I am so glad that you are celebrating Christmas with us. You know, we talk about and we read all of these prophecies about the Messiah written hundreds of years before Jesus was born. I mean, the world waited and waited and waited. But finally, that long-expected king came to a tiny little town called Bethlehem. And even that was foretold by the prophet Micah. Listen, he said, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, are only a small village among all the people of Judah, yet a ruler of Israel whose origins are in the distant past will come from you on my behalf. That's talking about Jesus. <laughs> Little Bethlehem, poised to welcome the Prince of Peace. And they had no idea. And this is the story you probably expected to hear today. Reading from Luke chapter 2. At that time, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinus was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no room available for them. And that night, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured him. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. And Mary kept all these things in her heart 
and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. You know, when we think about Jesus, it's pretty tempting to keep him at this stage, right? I mean, as a baby in the manger, the nativity set kind of, of Jesus. You know what a nativity set is? Everybody know what those are? You got Jesus in a manger. You got Mary and Joseph. You know, you got some sheep hanging out, maybe a donkey or two. You got a few shepherds and a few wise men kind of hanging out in there. 
You, you know, you look at that, you're going, well, what in the world is that? What does that mean? And you go, well, I think I get it. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of the whole Christmas scenario. And, and, and here's, here's a spoiler for you, all right? Nativity sets aren't accurate. They're made up from different parts of Scripture. So if you lose a wise man, don't freak out about it. He wasn't there to begin with, all right? So just let him go. If your sheep has a broken leg... We don't know if he was there either, so let him go. You, you know, it's, it's great to help us remember. It's, it's great to help us focus in on Christmas and what Christmas is all about. But honestly, Jesus being born was only the first part of God keeping his promises. Just the first part. Jesus came to create this bridge between God and us to show us what God is like, to show us that we can connect to God and understand God, and he came to provide a way for us to have a deep relationship with God. Now, whether we know it or not, all that's part of the Christmas story, and it really shows up in our Christmas decorations. Do this for me. Pull out your sprig of holly and hold on to this. All right, just put it in your hand. Don't eat it. Just hold on to it. All right, I know some of you, I know, looks tasty, not in real life and not in fake life, not good for you. Okay, just, just kind of hold, we're going to come back to, to this in, in, uh, in just a minute. But there are a lot of symbols and decorations that we see as, at Christmas that actually started out as teaching tools for Christians, all right? I, I mean, the Christmas trees are a great example of that. I mean, anybody put a Christmas tree up this year? Yeah, all of you did? Okay. We asked you to send us some pictures of some of your trees, so let's take a look. These go by pretty quick. Some of these are incredible. Very pretty. Very nice. There's one coming up here that I absolutely love. Right there. You got... You got Jesus caged in around the Christmas tree. Nobody's getting to him, not even your pets. You know, Christmas trees are incredible. And let's go ahead and cut that, Ashley, right about there. You, you know, some of us, we put Christmas trees up in July. Anybody do that? Yeah. Some of you don't even take them down. You just leave them up until the next year. And then you go, oh, look, we're ready for Christmas again. I know there are lights on some of your houses on the outside that you don't take down because you see them hanging everywhere you drive, you know, on, on houses all around us. But we love our Christmas trees. And the modern-day Christmas trees with all the lights and decorations, they go all the way back to Germany in the Middle Ages. And th they had these religious plays uh, that they, they used with the tree that had apples on it. And it was to tell the story of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, and they called it the Paradise Tree. All right? So people started putting their trees, these trees in their homes, on December 24th because that was the religious festival of Adam and Eve. Hmm. Starting to get a picture where the Christmas tree really, really kind of comes in. And then this is a little weird. And then they started hanging communion wafers. 
on their Christmas trees, the trees that they had in their homes, to represent how Jesus and his grace make it possible for us to have this perfect relationship with God again. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? And then later they take the communion off and they replace the communion wafer with cookies. Like I need any other temptation in my life other than to walk past my Christmas tree and grab a cookie and eat it 10 times a day, right? But they replaced them with cookies. And then they added candles because Jesus is the light of the world. And then one thing led to another. And then eventually we have your trees. We have our tree that, that, that we have because it all goes back to Jesus. That's interesting, isn't it? That's where the Christmas trees come from. Do you know that Jesus was compared to a tree? And it was a long time before he was born. It was Ezekiel who wrote this. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take a branch from the top of a tall cedar, and I will plant it on top of Israel's highest mountain. It will become a majestic cedar, sending forth its branches and producing seed. Birds of every sort will rest in it, finding shelter in the shades of its branches. And so that's talking about us being able to find some shelter in Jesus. And I don't know about you, but whenever I think of the history of things and kind of how they came about and how we've kind of translated them down to today, it gives me a new look at Christmas, a new, a new view of why we do what we do. And that's true with the Christmas tree. Now, let's take a new look at this holly that you have in your hands. All right? This holly. Now, when you're holding this in your hands, instead of thinking about it as a Christmas plant, here's how you need to think about it. You need to think about this holly as a way of telling the story of Jesus because that's what it is. Joel, I'm the Connect Pastor here at Community, and right now I am surrounded by holly trees at Spring Grove Cemetery in Cincinnati. And we're here because holly is so closely associated with Christmas. But the question is, why? I mean, I'm sure you've seen holly trees like in the background of Hallmark movies or sprigs of it on Christmas cards. Why do we sing Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly? It's because for centuries, Christians have been using the holly tree to tell the story of Jesus. Going way back into the Middle Ages, Christians encountered people who didn't know about Jesus and used this as an illustration. There were people like the Druids who thought the holly tree already was magical and had the powers of fertility and eternal life. And Christians used that as a jumping off point talk about God. They would say, look at these holly trees. They stay green all year round. And it's a lot like how Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow as Hebrews tells us. And when you look at the leaves, they've got thorns on them. And Christians would say, it's a lot like 
the crown of thorns that was put on Jesus' head during his crucifixion. The soldiers, they wove a crown of thorns and they put it on Jesus' head and they, they wrapped him in a purple robe and they said, Hail, King of the Jews, as they mocked him and slapped him across the face. And, and these distinctive red berries, they're, they're, they look like drops of blood and Christians would say, this is a lot like the blood of Jesus that was poured out for us. First John tells us that if we continue living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of his son, Jesus, it cleanses us from our sin. And even the shape of the leaves, they look a little bit like a flame. And Christians would say, this is like the fiery, passionate love of God. And you can't get more passionate than John 3.16, which you probably know. You can say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. That's why Holly is so closely associated with Christmas. Because Christians, for hundreds of years, have been very creative in their evangelism, just like their Savior was in his parable telling. And they would use the holly tree to tell the story of Jesus. It's because it reminds us of God's promise and his gift to us all.
Who would have thought that something like the holly, like this sprig of a plant, would be used to represent what Jesus has done for us? But when you think about it, it's a great way to share his story. It's a great way to talk about his birth and his death and his resurrection. It's a great way to talk about what he's done for us so that we can have eternal life. Now, Jesus used objects as well. He's in the upper room, and it was the Passover celebration. Everybody take out one of these cups of communion. If you didn't pick one up when you came in, they're in the chair racks under the seats in front of you. Open up the bottom. And take the bread out. It's the Passover, so there was unleavened bread representing when God saved his people from Pharaoh. Remember the Ten Commandments type time. And uh, they were celebrating that as a nation. And Jesus took the bread that was being passed around. And he said, I know you believe in me. And this is going to come as a surprise, but I have to give up my life so that you can find life. That's a big statement. So he passes the bread around and they all took a a piece of the bread and they ate it. Will you eat this remembering Jesus giving up his life for you? And then open the other side. They had a cup of wine and they passed it around and he said, this represents my blood. I know that's a very strange thing to think about but this represents my blood and this blood now saves you also there had to be a a, a price paid for our, our, our sin there just had to be and so let's take this together Galatians 4 says this But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Promise was kept. Not so that we could have a holiday to celebrate, but that we could be set free. The promise was kept. So not only did he make a promise, not only did he keep a promise, but there are still promises to come because that's what Christmas is about. Before Jesus went back to heaven, he made this promise that the Holy Spirit would come to live in everyone who believed in him and followed him. And he also promised that he would come back for us. He said this in John He said, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. This Jesus who came to us as a baby that we celebrate at Christmas, who grew to be a man, who sacrificed his life for us, he's not dead, and he hasn't forgotten about us. Maybe you're thinking, uh, Scott, 
I know you're a little mixed up on days, but that's more Easter, isn't it? Couldn't be more wrong. That's part of this Christmas story. That's part of this Christmas promise. As we were getting ready for this service, I found something that I did not know about Christmas. And it's part of a song that we sing every year. It's a song called Joy to the World. Do you know it? We sing it every Christmas, right? I mean, it's, it's part of our repertoire at Christmas. Thinking of Jesus being born in Bethlehem and angels singing the whole Christmas story. But here's the surprising thing about that song. Isaac Watts wrote that in 1719, but he didn't write it as a Christmas carol. He wrote it about Jesus coming back after he was born, after he was crucified and died and rose again. He was talking about the second coming. He he wrote this, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. It's not baby Jesus. That's conquering Jesus. That's the prince of peace that will set everything right someday. It's not about shepherds gathered around a manger. It's about this in Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them. He'll wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more crying, no more pain. All these things are gone forever. And I don't know about you, but as we get ready to sing this song, and the next time you hear this song, don't think of it in the same way that you used to. Because the conquering king coming back is another promise that will be kept. And it brings hope in the middle of some hard days here on this earth. It offers forgiveness to everyone that asks for it from Jesus. He's preparing a place for us. And that's something to celebrate. Joy to the world. Let's sing.